2: Welcome everyone to the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. This week, as the world turns in wrestling and we discuss some of the biggest stars in Japan potentially descending on New York, we are here from our Aika Pro Power DeLorean in 1993, where the biggest star in Japan has already descended upon New York. <laughs> Spoiler is from Samoa. My name is Tom Campbell, fake Geordie, and radio presenter. I'm with the bear in the big blue bar cage. The head pen of cultaholic, who doesn't need a pencil, gets it right every time. Justin Henry, live from off of America.
1: How you doing there, Tommy?
2: I am doing smashing. I nearly set my apartment on fire just now.
1: How did you do that?
2: Uh, I left a tea towel on the cooker hood, on the cooker hob, and. I didn't notice it until I noticed that the apartment smelt a bit like bonfire night. Uh, and it's mm. all good because we've learned two things from this. One, um, I'm, I'm still awfully clumsy when it comes to cooking. And two, smoke detector in our living room needed new batteries. So we've learned two things today.
1: Well, you live and you learn, right?
2: How are you doing, sir? Are you still riding high from your football team doing the, 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 the win? Uh,
1: well... I was um I was in a state of delirium for about three hours last night. We're recording this on a Monday, because the Eagles. Who did they get lucky winning that game? Um,
2: <laughs> Go Eagles! It's
1: a, yes, it's uh, if you if you were there and you watched that game, along with myself and my brother, you would have seen me face down on on his living room floor with my fingers crossed behind my head on that final play. And oh, did we get lucky? But hey, proper hail uh,
2: Mary I'll, for you, sir.
1: alive is alive and uh yeah it was um i could barely focus during raw last night when i was watching the uh show for this podcast but what i got from this show is um vince is very insensitive and the show can really die after about 20 minutes boy did it ever
2: it certainly did in fact let's dive right let's dive right into the die uh where and when are we this week justin
1: uh, the episode aired on July 12, 1993. It, w- it was taped one week earlier at the Manhattan Center in New York City. And we start cold with a close-up of the Yokozuna Geisha girls holding the bouquets of flowers, which is part of his uh, part of his ceremonial entrance. But Yokozuna is in no mood to a mess around this week. He gets into the ring, takes the bouquets, and just smashes them. Because he's furious because Lex Luger body-slammed him on USS Intrepid which I don't know if you know, but Vince really hyped that thing up. I don't know if you're really paying attention to that. Oh,
2: I heard a little something about, about, a, about a body <laughs> slam on a boat. Because this is, this is the great thing about this episode of Monday Night Raw. We are 25 episodes in to chronologicing, chronologically chronologizing the history of Monday Night Raw. Shut up, that's a word. Uh, from episode one all the way through to the current one, we're 25 episodes in. And I do believe this is the first time in the 25 year, second time in the 25 year history of Monday Night Raw, where the WWF Championship matches open the night.
1: Uh yes, it's the old Saturday night's main event formula where the big matches go on early. Hogan, Hogan was and now the ring by midnight eastern time on those shows. So it's still kind of following that old school formula. In this case, it is Yokozuna versus a big six foot eight blonde haired challenger. Crush.
2: Now I wasn't watching wrestling at this point in time, but I from watching it. Again, these for the first time, I'm watching a lot of these episodes, because this is during my sort of off period with WWF. I imagine, mm-hmm. as a fan, I'd have been giddy, like, putting Monday Night Raw on, and the first thing I'm getting is a WWF title match. Like, what is life? This is incredible.
1: I recall being pretty giddy, because at the time, I was a fan of Crushes. It was the music. It was. It was the uh just the, just a the sheer badassery of a guy who can crush your skull with his bare hands. The mullet it was awesome. Yes, the mullet was awesome. Per- perhaps the best mullet in wrestling history. And if anyone can name one better than that, by all means, at JRH
2: writing. Even if you can't, in fact, just send Justin pictures of mullets Tom? at JRH writing. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you do this to me? Because I like it when you get tweets.
1: Uh, I like it when you get followers. That's why I say, hey, follow my friend Tom. And that's what I'm
2: doing by saying tweet, just follow Justin friends, then tweet in pictures of mullets, (laughs) even the fish, they'll count.
1: Hey, so, (laughs) so as noted, we started cold. We, couldn't even get any of those old Star that style pre-show promos with the uh, synthesizer in the background. Those would have been a nice touch.
2: That music, that <laughs> yes,
1: yeah, so that would have been something. But no, we just start off cold because it's a tape show. And as that Noddy smashed the ceremony of flowers because, well, he's pissed off.
2: It would have been funnier if he'd taken a bite out of them.
1: Yes, just grabbed them and just chewed right into them.
2: <laughs> <str arching> and just bit the hole in the flowers.
1: Ozzy Osbourne style. Oh, yes. And biting the head off of a bat. And speaking of bats, we get Randy Savage plugging tomorrow night's baseball all-star game because we have to, because he has to show that they're quote-unquote live. See, this is a live show. Nothing taped here. <laughs> <laughs> Here's something
2: that's topical. And that was
1: a special all-star game. That's the one where Randy Johnson almost killed John Crook during
2: the game. Oh, I, I was not aware that someone nearly died in an all-star game.
1: Ah uh, yes, it was uh, John Cruck of my Philadelphia Phillies. it was at the plate, and Randy Johnson, the pitcher for the Seattle Mariners, who was six foot ten, and had quite a year of a fastball, almost took his head off with a fastball. Cruck had to barely duck out of the way. He was laughing about seconds later, but you could tell his heart was just you know just pitter patter, pitter patter after that. And the next two pitches, he swung wildly, like with his eyes closed, making sure that the ball didn't hit him, because he was because he was partially horrified that moments after his near death experience. And that was way more interesting than anything that happened on this show, save for the opening match here.
2: Bobby Heenan was particularly interesting, because Bobby on commentary just went to town and sold Yokozuna like an absolute monster. That whole spiel about volcanoes and how Crush from a volcanic island, he says he hasn't, you know, I'm paraphrasing, like he hasn't experienced a volcano like Yokozuna before. Oh, he was, Bobby was great tonight.
1: Well, it wasn't just that, he 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 also laid on a little bit thick that this was all Lex Luger's fault, this this, animal, this animalistic side of Yokozuna that we were seeing here. And he laid it on double, triple, quadruple thick. Like, every other sentence was, this is all your fault, Luger. Because even though Luger's not on the show, we had to keep mentioning him so that we know who the top babyface is.
2: And they really pushed Luger throughout the night. Like, every time America was mentioned, Luger was mentioned shortly afterwards.
1: I think there was one mention of Bret Hart's name on this show.
2: Bret, like he was the man, like only a few months ago.
1: He still should be the man, but that's that's a whole other issue. Uh, so it's Yoko versus Crush. Early on in the match, the fans actually sing the Star Spangled Banner in unison. I don't that was that
2: incredible. Part. Like I loved how they just organically started singing the national anthem. It
1: was it was very European footballish in a way.
2: It was like the, the, the British football fans, especially, they love a complicated chant. My, my dad is a West Bromwich Albion fan. And for some reason, they have adopted uh, the, the, the the hymn, The Lord is My Shepherd. And <laughs> they sing it like all the way through football games every week. The Lord is my shepherd. I don't get it, but I love it.
1: <laughs> well, it's I guess whatever a unifying theme then. And speaking of unifying, we have a Bobby making a joke about Hawaii. It says, Hawaii is the 50th state, falls a suburb of Guam.
2: Which <laughs> I,
1: I've quoted that one a lot in the years since because it's just easy to remember.
2: That's, I like it. I like it. Do you know just how much, and I don't know whether you noticed this before, but how Crush dwarfs Yokozuna?
1: Yeah, Yoko's maybe about 6'3", at the most, I would think. And Crush is probably about... Well, he's, he's built as being 6'8". He's probably maybe six 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 seven But... And plus, Yoko is barefoot. And Crush is wearing boots, so...
2: But it that just looks like Yokozuna's little... in the distance from most of the lockups in this match. It looks like there's some sort of sort of depth perception issue going on. Because Crush just looks bigger in general, even though Yokozuna is larger.
1: Well, Yoko's more massive. He, he's, he's more girthier. I mean... In terms of body, I don't know about other stuff, but hey. Um,
2: <laughs> hey now.
1: We get this weird point in the match where Yoko bows to Fuji, and, and just and, and Vince uses the word obsequious to describe it. I had to look this up. Obsequious means fawning, which would imply that Yoko is somehow in debt to Fuji, that he, he respects regards Fuji as an absolute master of some sort, which I, I never saw a relationship that way, but I guess that could be the case.
2: So Vince is happy to learn the bigger words like that, but he won't learn any names of any moves.
1: <laughs> no, that's because moves aren't important, but sounding like you're smart enough to be on a, you know, a high class talk show and be the talk of the media. That's what Vince cares about. Mm-hmm. Hence his constant referencing of what's going on in the news. <laughs> so Yoko applies a nerve hole and we go into commercial, which is the inverse of how it's supposed to work.
2: And the nerve hole, to quote OSW, went magma immediately, where he put the <laughs> other hand on top of the nerve hold hand for extra strength.
1: Well, yeah, because you're getting a double squeeze going. <laughs>
2: I mean, if, if Baron Corbin
1: matches have taught me nothing else, it's that when you come out of commercial break, he will have the half Nelson chin lock applied.
2: <laughs> That's his favorite.
1: Yeah, yes. <laughs> I call it the silencer because the crowd goes silent whenever he applies it. Oh, nice. So Crush makes the comeback. He, he he times a corner splash avoidance perfectly. Vince at one point yells, come on, Crush. Because he's not biased.
2: Absolutely not. Crush is rep in the USA tonight. I can't remember what
1: move it was. I want to say it was the diving shoulder block where Vince gives us the classic Vince count. One, two,
0: three, get's it.
2: It was, yeah, Crush had come off the top with a shoulder, off the the second rope, sorry, with a a shoulder block in the the closing stages of this match. Because Yoko pretty much dominates, but then Crush has this real, like, push of energy, and he knocks down Yoko a couple of times. Mm -hmm. And you start thinking, maybe Crush can do it.
1: A lot of hope here. Crush goes back to the top rope at one juncture. Referee has his back turned. Fuji hits him with the flagpole, and Crush falls to the floor. Back inside, get the big belly in the belly. The face-crushing leg drop, followed by the bonsai finish. Yoko retains the belt. I thought it was a decent little match.
2: I thought this was great. I, I genuinely I love a good um, sort of throwaway WWF title match on WWF TV. You don't really get them anymore because most of the champs don't really defend their belts on normal TV. But I like it when it's like a, a relative rank outsider having a go.
1: Well, Crush wasn't really like an outsider at that point. I mean, he almost slammed Yoko on the Intrepid. He, he got the one leg up, almost like for like he was going for a head, arm, and leg tazplex from the ECW arena.
2: Oh, nice. So, so Crush,
1: so Crush, kind of, uh, yeah. He kind of had a realistic shot at doing it. Although, in hindsight, you watch his match and figure like, well, he's just going to be there to be chum for the champion. And indeed, he gets turned into chum after the match because Yoko. Adds two more bonsai drops because he's in a very pissy mood, as we've
2: noted. And now out, outruns Tatonka to try to make the save. He gets slugged. Tatonka was useless. Out he came to a medium pop. And just as people went, oh, there's Tatonka, just gets swatted.
1: Yeah, Well, it's like King Kong atop the Empire Steeple and just swatting away the planes at this point.
2: That's what it felt like, actually.
1: And then he hits the fourth bonsai drop. And at this point, a handful of jobbers hit the ring. And Vince says, here come a number of individuals. <laughs>
2: I <laughs> love it. Not names, just a number of individuals. He, he, might, he might have just said, here comes a bunch of fans wearing tights for some reason. Here comes some guys we're paying $5 to later on.
1: <laughs> Would have killed him to say Joey Maggs' name. <laughs>
2: Exactly, it would have just—it would have legitimized Joey Mag's just a touch. But they got battered anyway. They got—they got swatted away. Like, they, but they—they they, they at least got in the ring. Not even Tatonka got in the ring.
1: <laughs> Here comes Joey Maggs. He lost the black blood on Saturday night before.
2: That'd be fine. Oh, wow. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm, I would have been happy, but it's not about me, as, I, as I've learned. it's at this point that Savage gets up and Savage notes. And this was an important point that I think I think should be, should, be, should be spelled out is that he's not allowed to leave the commentary table to get involved in the action if he's an announcer. So Savage talking about, like, I don't – I, I got to do something I'm not supposed to or I'm supposed to or whatever uh, little Danny Torrance said in The Shining. Savage is now Danny Torrance. Savage runs in and pulls Crush out of harm's way before the fifth one.
2: I really like that. I really enjoyed that. I thought that's not Savage getting in the ring and battering Yoko. That is Savage just saving Crush.
1: He Pulls Crush to the floor. Yoko's all happy about what he's done. Come back from the come back from the break. They put Crush on the stretcher. They're taking him out because he's been he's been destroyed, and they make sure to spell that out that he's going to be out of commission for a long time after taking four bonsai drops from a 560-pound man.
2: So was Crush being, because I'm not entirely off the top of my head, I can't remember what comes in the next few months. Is Crush legit going away for a little while now?
1: He's going away for approximately three months.
2: Okay. Is it injury-related, or is it just to sell the battering?
1: I want to say it was just the angle, because I I can't remember there being an outside reason for why they got rid of him, but, I mean, he came back in a big way. Which we'll get to, in approximately, well, probably less than three, three months. months since, <laughs> yes, since uh, all of August is kind of a, a watch wash for WWE. Well, like the, the like the latter half of the month. Uh, but apparently, he 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 had a legitimate back injury, according to Wikipedia, which is so always great. So this
2: was a way just to get him off the telly to recoup.
1: Oh uh, yeah, just to, just to heal up a little bit. And Bobby Heenan gives this to the camera promo about how this is all Luger's fault, that, he, that he's woken up the sleeping giant, now everybody has to pay for it because of uh, because of the body slam. And he says at the very end of the, uh, end of the promo, Yokozuna is dangerous with a capital Z.
2: I didn't get that. I liked it, but I wasn't sure whether it was a reference that I'd missed.
1: Um, if it is, I missed it too because I'm just going, did Bobby F that up? I, on a, I mean, you can't really redo it because it, it was part of the on-camera portion. You uh, know, it was a tape show. You can't really refilm that, can you?
2: I thought maybe you might <laughs> might have pronounced it Dangerous with a capital Z. Zangerous? Zangerous.
1: Sammy Zangerous.
2: Either way, I thought Bobby was a see, one-man should, Lex Luger hype machine.
1: See, that should be uh, Sammy Zane's new gimmick. It's like a Michael Jackson type of character. John, the Dangerous album cover right now. Are we well,
2: Are we going to get John to do Sammy Zayn as Michael Jackson?
1: That could work too. You could put him in the Thriller. I don't care. John! <laughs> you make him smooth criminal. Have El Generico be smooth criminal. There you go. Doing the forward lean. Just Sammy Zayn, Michael Jackson, anything, John, surprise me. I don't care. Go for it, John. We love you, Photoshop, John.
2: Hashtag Photoshop. It's not a real hashtag. We've just made it up. Uh, if you, <laughs> if you ever, if you listen to listen listen to us uh, banging on every week, uh, one thank you. Uh, two, if you join us, if you join the official Cultaholic fan page on Facebook, you can see some of these images. Or if you follow at Tom Campbell or at JRH Writing on Twitter.
1: Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. A resident Photoshop expert, whenever we have a flight of fancy, whenever we come up with just this bizarre verbal imagery in the midst of our podcasting, we reach out to Mr. John Eiley, who makes our, he brings our dementia to life, is what he does. And really, God bless him for it.
2: Actually, we've done this wrong. We should be follow at John Eiley. John, John. A-I-L-E-Y. Follow John. John.
1: John's the star of the show, let's face it.
2: (laughs) John, you make the show happen. Thank you, John.
1: And speaking of happening, we go to our next match, in which we witness an on-camera, de- on-camera demise.
2: <laughs> These two, know, bless them.
1: The Head shrinkers versus P.J. Walker and Aaron Ferguson. Now, first I have to note that Vince got the, Vince got the guys wrong. He called them by the wrong names. P.J. Walker's the one with the long types. That would be uh, the future Justin Credible and Aldo Montoya. And Aaron Ferguson, I don't really think, had much of a uh, – much of a career.
2: He didn't, he, but I can tell you that currently, true story, Aaron Ferguson, he's retired from wrestling, and he has an office job in the U.S. government. Really? Mm-hmm. And he lives in upstate New York, which I believe is where they call hamburgers steamed hams.
1: Yeah, so it, it, is, it is more of an Albany expression.
2: I see. Yeah. And,
1: and, and, although, although here, Ferguson, Ferguson has the most not mid-'90s hairstyle possible. He looks like someone that would be on a background character on Saved by the Bell.
2: He would be guy that goes to locker. <laughs> yes, guy talking to girl near jukebox.
1: Yes, it's uh, Everyone I knew in like every white male I knew in sixth and seventh grade had this hairstyle. These these sort of a uh, front wall gel up look that um I don't know how else to describe it. You just gotta you just gotta see it for yourself. But anyone who's my age will look at the hair and go, yeah, I probably had that. I think I had that. Mm-hmm, sure.
2: Like a wet look down gel. Yeah, it's it's quite quite a common look of the time.
1: Exactly. And the match begins with uh, what I thought was going to be the highlight. And that was the crowd chanting for Alpha. I thought that was going to be the, the best part of this match until PJ Walker dies on a double alley-oop spot. Jeez, that was horrible. They throw him into the ropes. They give him the that double vertical press where you go upward horizontally. And when he came down, he didn't come down good. And I thought he and even Bobby Heenan had to yell out in the horror because he, I thought he broke his neck. That <laughs> just looks awful. Like he just kamikaze right to the mat and like he like he twisted down. So what? It wasn't like he was braced for the landing in in like a static position. He just kind of spiraled. It was just, oof. it was bad.
2: They were both pretty dead once the, the match got rolling. Uh, I enjoyed the references from the commentary desk to Weekend at Bernie's when Samu, like, dragged, I think it was
1: Walker, it was Walker,
2: Walker over to Aaron Ferguson, who is dead, and just yeah. w- picked up Walker's hand and tagged in Ferguson. <laughs> Or at least (laughs) attempted to.
1: I did write in my my notes here, Hedrick has rolled Walker's corpse to the corner so that he can tag Ferguson.
2: It was basically Weekend at Bernie's.
1: And that was timely because Weekend at Bernie's 2 had just come out at that point. So hey, they were at at least up on the uh, trendy stuff. But but as noted, we got a ton of Weekend at Bernie's references. The crowd's just cheering the brutality. They're having fun watching this match because it's hour two of the taping. It's two guys just getting getting the crap beaten out of them. And it ends with a big Simone splash. One, two, three. shrinkers win. I call it a fun squash, but that's not like I'm I'm encouraging murder here. (laughs) (laughs) That was a... I thought the smoking guns pile driving Glenn and Ruth out out of a backdrop a few months ago was was brutal. I think this may have been worse.
2: They They clearly are sharing the duty of who can batter a tag team job alliance the best
1: hell, wow, don't challenge the Steiners to that. Oh, God, can you
2: imagine? Let's not encourage well, him.
1: Well, Scott already killed Rich Myers with the uh, Steiner screwdriver, and, and I'm pretty sure we haven't seen Rich Myers since.
2: We haven't, have we? No, I
1: think, I think he's still in traction.
2: Oh, jeez. Oh, bless him.
1: You know, after the passing of Bob Einstein last week, I, I've been watching a lot
2: of Super Dave Osborne clips from the David Letterman show. <laughs> and yeah i i discovered him this week as well i thought he's what a guy yeah he was, he was he was
1: immensely talented i remember watching him for years on curb your enthusiasm as marty funkhauser one one of the best recurring characters on the show and if you've never seen the scene with him and jerry seinfeld it's very very funny although oh, some not safe for work language there and <laughs> all i could think it was just super dave uh and his many hapless accidents and you think of Rich Myers, Glenn Ruth, and P.J. Walker and all the fates they've suffered in tag team matches on Raw this year. <laughs> That's, uh.
2: God bless their memory and his memory too.
1: They make apron bumps look like a, a simple lockup. <laughs> so we have a plug for next week's show. A rematch for the Intercontinental Championship, Shawn Michaels versus Marty Jannetty. What a lovely little promo this was. Hmm. It's a big match too, and it actually won the. It actually won, won person Ultratech's match of the year for 1993. Although, I, I get that, I could to get some match that I'd put over it. This was still a great match, and well, we'll discuss it in one week's time.
2: I'm excited to see these two go at it again on Raw.
1: It's a. Uh, it's going to be a humdinger, as Vince would say.
2: Because Marty Janetti has really been like a a big match machine, like he's been the. I don't say, without any irony, he has been the Kenny Omega of Raw in 1993. I thought Tatanka was. No, Kenny. Uh, Tatanka is the Okada. Um, <laughs> Marty Jannetty is the Kenny Omega. I was and... going to make a
1: Rainmaker joke somehow tied into Tatanka, but that might sound really bad.
2: Oh, you were there, <laughs> you were there. Um, I'm hoping in the weeks to come we see Marty Giannetti versus Tatanka and it goes an hour. Yes.
1: And they have a two out of three falls match at at, at the um, Manhattan Dome. That and goes Damos nearly two it, hours. Yes, and he, and he gives it eight and three eight stars. <laughs> yeah. And everyone here is like, no, it should have been eight and one. And it's was out of his mind. But anyway, speaking, speaking of Tatanka... We have a shockingly competitive match between the Tonka and Brooklyn Brawler.
2: I wasn't expecting this to be as back and forth as it was, because the Brooklyn Brawler is the world's most famous loser, for lack yes. of a better term.
1: Jobber, whatever you want to call him. Pre-lim. World's most
2: successful enhancement talent.
1: There you, there you go. He, he, he's the master enhancer.
2: That sounds like a that sounds like a thing you buy to make your penis bigger.
1: Okay, so that's a compliment then.
2: John No, I'm kidding, John. Stand down. Stand <laughs> Don't down. Don't do John. that, John. Stand down, John. No, no John. Bad John. <laughs> Bad John. He was only following orders. Tatonka uh, would have been on home turf if he hadn't sold it for a fake Rolex, Bobby Heenan, yeah. nineteen ninety three.
1: I wrote that entire line down because I cracked up. I, I, I spit my tea out when he said that. Amazing. <laughs> you could not say that today.
2: Absolutely not. But, but oh, Bobby <laughs> continues to be on form
1: tonight. As, as tremendous as that moment was, that was top seconds later when Vince informs us that Savage has rejoined him at the commentary desk. And as he's saying this from his production booth the day that this aired, they cut to a wide shot and show the table, and nobody is sitting there—not Vince, not Heenan, not Savage.
2: Oh, I didn't see if, this,
1: and, if you and I'm to, really sad I missed this bit. If you go to twenty-five thirty-one, I'm on it. I'm on it. You, Vince will be talking about how Savage is rejoined them at the table, and they cut to a a, a full ring shot of Tatanka and Brawler from the entrance side, and there is nobody sitting at the commentary table. So I had two hearty laughs in a row there.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's, That's amazing.
1: I, I, I wonder who's in charge of that F up.
2: That's almost as funny as the line that Macho Man came out with whilst he was, uh, his spirit was sitting at the announce table. When yes. Vincent Mann asked, so Vincent Mann says, oh, Randy Savage is back uh, commentary. He's been to see Crush. How's he doing? And Matt Man says, he has difficulty breathing. I don't know what that means. What in the hell do you... What in the hell else could it possibly mean? What? I, what are they, he says he has difficulty breathing. I, I don't know what that means. Jesus! Like, layman's terms, mate. Never be a doctor savage.
1: Now, here's my issue with all this. I'm gonna say first of all, it's it's kind of weird to watch this in hindsight because every time they they've done injury angles, like severe injury angles, like so many of them have have broken their neck or something, they do the whole what they call the Owen voice, the half-masked voice when someone has been gravely injured in storyline. Although Owens was definitely not a storyline, mm-hmm. and, and, and people get upset because it's like you're trivializing, you know, you're you're blending reality and fiction far too much for their comfort. And it seems like a, a crass exploitation play. Here, Vince could almost care less. <laughs> He's having difficulty breathing. In any event, the Tonka versus the Brooklyn Brawler, it's like, Crush could be laying dead backstage. He could be seconds away from his demise. Because Yoko brought 600 pounds of buttocks down on his abdomen and his ribcage, his chest. You can stop a man's heart doing that. That's like having a truck fall, and, well, not a truck, because that's not, it's more than 600 pounds, but that's still a great weight to be landing on a man's torso.
2: It's a lot of weight.
1: It's a lot of weight, and, and Vince is almost disaffected by it. It's like, sad. I was expecting Savage to be like, he was leaking brain lubricant out of his ears and his mouth because uh, the whole thing screwed up. Tatanga with an arm drag.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's an odd lack of love towards <laughs> Crush, who may have nearly died.
1: <laughs> he coded three times. Brooklyn, bro, are not working on that, Shenlock? I don't know what that means. <laughs> I was told to deliver the news to his wife. I don't know what that means.
2: What well, a maneuver! it's just
1: it's like they're on different pages in different books oh Christ they're in different (laughs) studios almost well wait let's hug out the heartstrings of the fans there Vince
2: jeez (laughs) I mean it's it's a weird one like you you say like you don't want to over egg the pudding when it comes to doing like the serious voice but still have a little bit of a little bit of revenance Mm. to what has happened yes I mean there's there is a balance there. The, the, the presiding doctor put his fingers on his eyelids and shut them. I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> Dr. Savage. Never never be Dr. Savage. <laughs> There's a hearse pulling up to the building. I'm not sure what that means. There's a hearse pulling up. I think Crush is going to be okay. <laughs> they might be delivering a pizza. I wasn't sure. I've been told to put a suit on and go to the graveyard. I Don't know what that means how many of these can we squeeze in here? (laughs) I've I've been invited to raise a glass for (laughs) Brian Lee. I don't Actually, that's weird because he's actually dead. I don't know what that means.
1: (laughs) They just asked Mr. Hughes if they could borrow the urn. I'm not sure what that means.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Randy Savage. He don't know what (laughs) that means.
1: But the point is, Savage, for for the rest of the night, had, had this very affected, very emotional tone to himself, especially when Bobby Heim would try to, like, not make light of it but, but blame Luger, Savage would snap at him angrily. Like, Savage is, pl- is playing the epitome of the guy who's upset that his friend is badly injured. The Savage can't really focus on the job at hand. Vince, meanwhile, while he's trying to carry on with the show, almost seems oblivious to it, and that was, a uh, it, it was kind of disarming. At least mildly so.
2: And all the while, in the ring, we've got Tatanka versus the Brooklyn Brawler happening.
1: Now, you're thinking this would be a short match. Tatanka just beats Brawler's ass and moves on with his life. Brawler hangs in there with him and gets in a lot of offense.
2: I don't know why they decided that tonight would be the night that they would get behind the Brooklyn Brawler as a competitive persona.
1: Maybe they were just short on time. Maybe, uh... P.J. Walker wasn't supposed to die at that moment and they were supposed to just continue on.
2: It wouldn't Man. surprise me if the Yokozuna title match in the opening had gone short because near the end of that match, Yokozuna was looking very tired.
1: It's, it's certainly possible, but you could have... Uh, well, I don't know. I'm not, I wasn't in charge of the format. Savage gets in a weird line when, in response to Hina's tirade about Lugerby He goes, Don't switch the heat! Which I've never heard of. Yeah, that was a bit
2: insider, wasn't it? That was a bit I felt like a bit of an insider terminology.
1: (laughs) Don't ask if this is an American phrase because I have no clue.
2: Well, I kind of read that as like sort of kayfabe speak. Not not kayfabe speak, but like backstage speak. Because obviously, heat is a very insider phrase Mm -hmm. for like getting heat Ah, and stuff like that. um. So I didn't know whether or not they were just talking a bit insider.
1: Perhaps, but I just saw it as just something that Savage just said in response to Heenan, um, like Heenan passing the blame onto Luger. When really it should, it should be on Yokozuna for just being out of control, but maybe that's just me. We've got a funny spot here where Brawler smacks Tatanka in the face. Then
2: when the crowd oozes and Tatanka stares him down, Brawler bails.
1: That's kind of funny, actually. Like,
2: bro- yeah, like Brawler suddenly really gets frightened of Tatanka. Like, oh...
1: Vince actually says, "We apologize for ignoring the importance of this matchup." As you should, because the Tonga streak is on the line here. Brawler could have ended the streak. The Tonga's been undefeated for approximately eighteen months now, and the Brawler came pretty close at some junctures to finishing him off. He gets in some offense. He takes he takes his shirt off, which the Hardy Boy stole from him. And chokes the tonka with it.
2: I loved how when the Hardy boys took their shirts off, everybody screams. Brooklyn took his shirt off, and I could just hear like a smattering of laughter, some groans. <laughs> like that's a really sad reaction to taking your shirt off.
1: And that's why he's broken brawler.
2: Oh,
1: <laughs> brother Chris! I I knew you'd come as he choked him with the shirt.
2: Yes. Oh, Brawler could have done those skits, but that's that's for another universe.
1: It's it the finkel car?
2: <laughs> <laughs> a perfect man has been thrown into it. <laughs> yes.
1: Ah, uh, yes. The kid who breaks hearts.
2: This is this is basically. If you're wondering what we are talking about this is if matt hardy had turned up on monday night raw in 1993 but broken matt hardy time
1: traveling matt hardy (laughs) that would be a great
2: uh, skit matt hardy goes back in time and and wrestles people in different eras yeah could you imagine right oh my god right think on this i've just had this idea vince so i know you dip into holic sometimes i don't you normally alternate of sort of between this and Keith and the girl whilst you're in the gym. Um, next time you have a raw anniversary and you want to do a bit of the Manhattan Centre, imagine if all the stuff from the Manhattan Centre had been played as if it was back in 1993 and mm-hmm. it was broken Matt Hardy time travelling. So
1: you we
2: get Matt Hardy versus Ramblin' Rich Myers. And or like or get somebody out as Doink under the ring and find find Marty Jannetty. And, and do Doink versus Marty Jannetty, move for move, but then have broker Matt Hardy turn up <laughs> from the future and show them an iPhone. You
1: know You know it's funny because Doink was kinda of trending yesterday as a result of that Eagles game. Oh really? Because the game ended on a missed field goal, which would have given the Bears the win. It went off the upright, then it bounced down, hit the crossbar, and bounced forward. So everyone was saying double doink.
2: Oh, nice. See? Now is the best time yeah. to bring Doink the Clown back.
1: And, of course, I, my first thought was tweet, was tweet a friend and say best double doink since Mania 9.
2: Ah, oh, did you do that? Because I'm, I'm yeah. not on Twitter yes. as much as I used to be. Huh. So I now, might have missed it.
1: It was a text to a friend.
2: Oh, that's still cool. But there you go. But there's an idea, Vince. Uh, Next time you do the Manhattan Center, just book it like it's 1993.
1: Yes, and let Rob Bartlett do commentary.
2: Oh, he'd be up for it. I know he would.
1: (laughs) Like, like, why do these house party guys all wrestle three at a time? I mean, isn't that unfair, Vince? And the crowd's booming. So aren't they the bad guys?
2: That'd be so good. (laughs) It's like, Boy, this Corbin can
1: sure hold a hold a hold on for a long time. It's been seven minutes.
2: <laughs> Corbin would fit in well
1: in a head shrinker's match. Yes, it's true. So <laughs> just throw him up in the air. anyway.
2: Add it to Tonka and Brooklyn Brawler polish off themselves. Not like that. Well, first, well first, <laughs> Savage does us. John, <laughs> no, gets, don't do that, John. <laughs> Savage gets in an odd
1: line where he says that the Jack Tony needs to be replaced. Which I thought was kind of out of place, but I mean, it made sense contextually. Because he's saying that everyone's out of control here, Tony's not doing a good enough job, yada yada. Tony needs to go.
2: It was, yeah, it just just sort of came out of nowhere. And I don't think Tony lost his job over all of this. Tony would rule the WWF with an iron fist for a couple more years yet.
1: Well, uh, iron fist is possibly a generous way of putting it.
2: I'd like, I now would like, it's more like the. Right, John, the. I want Jack Tunney
0: with Thanos'
2: infinity gauntlet.
1: (laughs) No, no, no. Rubber
2: Hawk hands. There you go. Do that. (laughs) The ones that make a noise when you punch somebody with them. (sighs) Yes, please. There you go, John. (laughs) Get on it.
1: Jack Tunney's best Christmas morning ever.
2: Furthermore. These are my favorite <laughs> presents ever.
1: It is my decision that Marvel Comics makes very good toys. Furthermore, DC Comics can suck my
2: ass. Thank you. <laughs> Why? Right. Does anybody in the world need a Jack Tunney tribute act? Because I think it should be you, Justin.
1: I could do it unequivocally. Car of them are. It's just static phrases delivered in the monotone. That's all it is.
2: Well, even so, there's some money to be made there.
1: <laughs> so the match, first competitive as it was, the Tonka gets, he gets his head hits the buckle, and then he goes into the war dance. And Brawler's like, "Ah, crap! This always happens." Chop barrage follows. End of the trail finishes, and then we get this weird bit at the end of the match where Bobby Heenan is talking about how you know Savage should, should go in and help Brawler out the way he helped Crush out, and Savage never butts the whatever whatever he says. And Vince goes, at least be selective for who you care about. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm like, huh?
2: That, but yeah, of course I'm going to be selective of who I care about.
1: <laughs> Is Vince saying it's okay to discriminate against certain people if you don't like them?
2: Like, I think like, that's what it, he's like saying.
1: If Brother, like if Bro was hit by a truck, he's like, well, it's, it's not crush, so you don't have to care as much. <laughs>
2: I think that's exactly what he was saying. <laughs>
1: And speaking of things that happen outside, there's a def segue for you. We get fans from earlier in the day, i.e., a week ago, putting over Lex Luger, and he sound really convincing doing so. It's like, hey kid, come over here. I need you to talk really good about Lex Luger for this camera here. Can you do that? But I like Brearheart just talking about Lex Luger. <laughs> what follows are, are four young, four, four young males who sound, who sound like all like you can almost see the barrel of the gun off camera as, as they're putting over Lex Luger. Like, like, yeah, he is really good, and he should get a shot at the belt, and he could beat Yokozuna, and I like America. I think capitalism is a good thing.
2: It was it's... so contrived.
1: Oh, yeah, there was – it was void of genuine emotion. <laughs> but, I mean, it's well, – offense Vince was committed to getting him over, so –
0: all
2: these I mean, like, kids, yeah, like I said, it was part of Vince's plan just to make sure that he got over.
1: <laughs> Talking about Lexer, I break your little action figure. How's that, kid?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Mr. Hughes versus Tony DeVito. This is the very definition of a squash match, and although DeVito does not die the way that PJ Walker did earlier, Vince, it's here that Vince gives a shout-out to Basil DeVito because, well, inside jokes are Always are always fun.
2: Didn't Basil DeVito into the didn't he run the first incarnation of the XFL?
1: Uh, yes he did. He was also a long time WWE office member. And I think he's I think he's still on the board of directors of this day. I could be wrong though. He does pop up on a few of the DVDs and the XFL documentary from ESPN.
2: I imagine he'll uh, be if bald- he's still with the company, very much involved with the XFL once more.
1: Here's hoping they need. Well, probably needs all the help it can get. <laughs> Some bald guy brings a black wreath to ringside and sets it down because it's it's from Undertaker and he's being ominous. Hughes takes notice of the wreath, but all it does is just fire him up. And Vince even says, hey, "I think it's a gift from the Undertaker." You think?
2: Spoiler. Of course it is. <laughs>
1: I know you got to spell some stuff out for the audience, but Jesus Christ! <laughs> like, who else could have sent that
2: to him? I liked it, and I also like the fact that it didn't like freak out Mister Hughes too much. Like he was okay with it, a bit weirded out, but otherwise okay with it. To the point where he mockingly used a choke slam to finish the match.
1: Oh yes, he did, and uh, well, it was out of his spike slam move. But actually, the best spot of this match is when Devito's running off the ropes. He, 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 he runs past Hughes. Hughes reaches out and grabs the Vito's mullet and yanks him back and kicks him right in his ass.
0: <laughs>
2: well done, Hughes. <laughs> now, the,
1: that is a consummate heel right there. He gets his impressive drop kick. He gets the elevated spike slam. Then he rolls the ringside, and the card even says, Rest in Peace from The Undertaker.
2: Hasn't sh- Undertaker I sh- got lovely handwriting?
1: I, I was just about to say that. Great penmanship for a guy who's been deceased for some time now
2: it's either not, that not, or do you think he rang into flora or an, a, another reputable american flower delivery company I'm just like <laughs> i'd like to make a delivery please
1: that's quite possible i mean, like <laughs> i need your first name under
2: last name taker imagine the delivery instructions on that because you know when you now and you order something online and there's a section for delivery instructions in case you live somewhere weird the delivery instructions for that reef would have been go to the Manhattan Centre there will be a show going on but don't worry it's fine tell them it's from me walk out during one of the key moments of the show brackets again don't worry say you're from me it's fine (laughs) <laughs> don't make eye contact with anybody, then leave.
1: <laughs> Imagine if it was the wrong match he walked out during, like during crushing Yoko. Like, Wait, what's this? Undertaker is challenging both men. He wants to make us a triple threat match. <laughs> That'd have be been fine. <laughs> he probably should send him out after PJ Walker fell and hit the mat.
2: I'd like to think nowadays that Undertaker would be a little bit more modern in his approach. I think if Undertaker was to send a message nowadays, you'd just suddenly see like an Amazon Prime delivery driver pull up. <laughs>
1: No, he would just text him like a headstone emoji.
2: <laughs> yes. Keep it simple. Or send a or send a TikTok where he's uh miming a song.
1: <laughs> John send, send a send a send a vine video of, of of him doing the throat slash gesture.
2: That'd be brilliant. That'd be brilliant.
1: You go to the cops, what do you mean you can't help me?
2: He's This guy's going to kill me. Sure, whatever. We've seen him on TV. It's just, it's an actor. It's okay. This guy sent me a TikTok and he's threatened me. Ah, sure.
1: So we go to Mean Gene Okerlund, who is now, we we as we say, the late,
2: great Mean Gene Okerlund. My notes say exactly that. The late, great Mean Gene Oakland. This was sad now, news, like, because our, our last show um with Sydney... Thank you very much, Sydney, for joining us last week. She runs the Discord. I think I now know what a Discord is. I'm still not sure. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you for joining us, Sydney. But um, we recorded it, um, and then I think maybe the day that it went out, uh, we lost Mean Gene Oakland, which was actually really sad. I know I've given him grief on this podcast, but mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that he wasn't still like a, a key part of my wrestling childhood.
1: Absolutely. I did a piece on him for uh, Call to Holler just looking back at what he meant to the company and what he meant to wrestling in general. He may have had the most range of—he uh, definitely had the most range of any interviewer that has ever walked through the company's doors. He could—he uh, could put over anyone, while also enhancing himself. He had this—he had this great capability of being stoic, but he also be lively. He could be—he knew how to engage a wrestler of any verbal skill level and get the most out of them. He watched the old two-minute stand-ups he would do on primetime wrestling. And no matter who he was interviewing, he always had smart follow-up questions. He listened to the person he was talking to. Like, he, he was the equivalent of any great in-ring worker in terms of enhancing the person he was, he was out there with. And no one did it better than
2: him. I think you even said that. You said that his, his work was as valuable as a performer.
1: Yeah, I mean he's he's the first person you think of when you think of of the consummate backstage interviewer, and it's true no one did it as good as him.
2: Because it, so many of those interviews from the 90s started with, "Well, you know something, Mean Gene," like it's it's just it's kind of a go-to phrase for wrestlers in the <laughs> 90s when they're trying <laughs> to collect their thoughts.
1: And it is part of that lexicon because. I, at some point last year, there was, a, there was a series of commercials for Mountain Dew Kickstart with Kevin Hart dressed as a pro wrestler, and Mean Gene's interviewing him in the commercial. And, and, and Hart's doing the uh, – you know he's doing, he's doing the whole Hogan show. Like, what you, let me tell you something, Mean Gene. That's how he starts off because it's, it's almost cliche but not in a bad way. Like when you think of of backstage wrestling interview, that's what you think of. Someone telling Mean Gene what they're going to do tonight, going to beat my opponent up. And just going on like that because Hogan set the template, and the first line was always "Well, you know something, Mean Gene." Mean Gene's name is part of the lexicon because of Hogan, and that's not a bad thing. Either. That's not saying that Mean Gene is, is just some. It's not saying that he was lucky for being there in in the right place at the right time, because, but he, and the way he kind of was because Hogan made that name part of wrestling terminology.
2: We um, we dice with fate. Um... Upon mentioning this, but uh, we record, we're recording this on Monday night. It is quarter to 10 British time on the 7th of January. Um, What time would it be with you? Quarter to seven? Five. Quarter to five. My apologies. Um, Mm -hmm. So we're a few hours away from Monday Night Raw in which Hulk Hogan is set to return to Mm honour Mean Gene Oakland. Um, how do you think this is going to go? I think this is fun to leave in. Because by now, by the time you're listening to this, you have probably seen the TMZ article where Hulk Hogan lost his mind, got booed, and did something terrible. Um, <laughs> how do we think this is going to go? This well, is hang fun on one second.
1: Let me just... First, let me going check to see what City Roll is going to be in tonight. Let me just look this up real quick.
2: This actually could change the game.
1: The, 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 uh.
2: Once again, I emphasize okay. that we are Ar- recording this without any prior knowledge of what is going to happen on Raw. Yeah. By now, by the time you're hearing this, Raw has happened. Um, what do you reckon? Three out.
1: Been? Orlando, Florida. So Florida's Hogan territory. I think my prediction,
2: mostly positive, some scattered booze. That's That's a good one. That's a good one. I think... Booze, uh, mostly positive, some booze as he comes out. If he makes it all about Mean Gene, lots of applause. And if he keeps yes. it short, lots of applause.
1: It reminds me of last year's NHL draft, which I don't really watch thoroughly, but I, I always do appreciate when the commissioner, Gary Bettman, comes out and gets booed out of the building because hockey fans hate his guts. There was a point in the show where, or a point in the draft, where they were going to honor the... Humboldt Broncos hockey team the minor league team that died in the bus accident earlier that spring and they were doing a little tribute for them which he was a part of and when he came to the podium the crowd started booing him even though it's supposed to be this solemn moment and Bettman very deftly very slyly goes please let's get through this tribute and then you can boo me for the rest of the night Aww. I thought it was just a very cool way to deal with it. And, and the crowd almost like appreciated the way he said that yeah, because cause like, he's oh, like,
2: I'm unpopular, but let's show some respect now, and then you can just give me <laughs> grief forever.
1: I can't see Hawk doing that, though. I can't see him like, like, brothers, let's honor me, Gene, and every time you see me after this, you can hate my guts.
2: You keep on calling me a terrible person. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't quite picture that happening. Hogan's got to really humble it tonight. I think if he wants yeah. to, 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 to even hope of doing more stuff in the future, he's got to really humble it. And... I I'm curious to see whether he can. Well, in Hawk's defense, he was he was only the fourth
1: worst part of Crown Jewel. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Up until hour three, he may have been the worst part, but then everything after
2: that. Whew. Wow, they did. They worked really hard to make sure we hated the whole thing.
1: I will say right now, a quick a quick plug for our good friend R D Reynolds at Russell Crap. The voting is going on right now for the Gooker Award, the worst of the year. Usually, there's like, like, about one or two entries duking it out for the lead. Crown Jewel is kicking everything else's ass,
2: as it should do. To be fair,
1: at last, at last check, it was about 54% of the vote, and it's since the numbers aren't really moving much. That that's kind of uh solidified. So I think that's um. Crown I think Jewel's he's about halfway through one. the
2: article as we speak. I think he's made. Twenty of the thirty gifts already.
1: Yeah, he may he may as well have because it's uh that's a mortal lock.
2: Yeah.
1: So, Mean Gene, you know, RIP. Even though Tom and I have kind of uh, made fun of your idiosyncrasies from from these ninety-three episodes of Raw on the show, we do appreciate how special you were and and what a tremendous and unique talent you were. God bless you, man.
2: Absolutely, and thank you for bringing us the SummerSlam report. Uh, telling us that Bret Hart will take on Jerry Lawler in a battle of the kings.
1: That is the only match so far, although in fairness, SummerSlam is still seven weeks out.
2: So we got plenty of time.
1: I, I will say, though, SummerSlam theme, one of the best pay-per-view themes ever.
2: Underrated, hard,
1: I think. Just that hard-driving guitar with that little background synthesizer. That's how you always knew it was August. And on the one hand, it's like, yeah, SummerSlam's coming. But on the other hand, it's like, uh, crap school starts soon, <laughs> and the mention also tells us that Lex Luger is getting ready to go on some sort of campaign. Who boy!
2: We have an announcement coming on Superstars, uh, apparently, and we'll so I reckon by next week on Raw we will have an idea of what that announcement is. Oh, we will. We certainly will. We will talk all on that next week. Oh, we're reaching some halcyon days on Monday Night Raw.
1: Actually, we're already there because up next we have our video for Sydney's favorite tag team, Men on a Mission.
2: Wow. So this is where we're told. um, Well, Vince McMahon says, let's find out a bit more about Mom. And it is genuinely the first time I ever heard men on a mission referred to as mom. And one of the last ones, because I, I can't remember
1: them calling them mom a lot after that.
2: I don't ever remember them being called mom until Vince said it.
1: Well, wouldn't it be mom? Because there's an A in there, men on a mission. Exactly. Mowam. Mom. That's a
2: sweet Mom. <laughs> Sounds like you say with a mouthful of oatmeal.
0: Mom.
2: <laughs> But we get sure. a look at Men on a Mission. This, wow. I mean, if if I was watching wrestling with a member of my family who didn't like wrestling <laughs> and this came on, I think I would probably, like, go inside myself and never come back out again.
1: I would like to apologize to Journey. Because for years I have insisted that Separate Ways was the worst music video that had ever been created. This was a thousand times worse.
2: Wow, this was something else. We had a rap about men on a mission. Oscar leading the rap, um, and all the while, video of like the streets.
1: Yes, we have a we have a little girl standing on a swing for about fifteen seconds, just swinging back and forth. Not like a, a quick establishing shot. About it's about three seconds. No, this goes on. Just she rocks back and forth, forward and back, forward and back. Okay, we get the damn point. And then there's kids playing basketball, and you can tell you can you tell this is the early '90s because because some kids wearing Bulls gear, and well, it was still cool to do that when Jordan was still the man. And then we get the in front of the green screen rapping from Oscar, while Mo and Mabel kind of just, you know, jostle about.
2: They like stare unblinking at the camera, like rocking back and forth,
1: like they're afraid that the camera the camera some sort of cobra that'll bite them if they look away or if they blink.
2: What I noticed is, so they have these shots where Oscar is rapping and you've got Oscar in the middle, you've got Mabel on the one side and you've got Mo on the other, men on a mission in their entirety. They're filmed in front of a green screen and the camera is sort of tilting back and forth to give you I, this I sort of... Done wet dream. Yeah, like this sort of movement effect. Yet the thing that they have put on the green screen is some moving shots of like it's like say it's footage from the window of a car going past the streets so it looks like they're all on one massive hoverboard traveling down the streets that's the only way i can describe how it looks <laughs> hoverboard men on a mission
1: well, maybe they're on top of one of those uh, like double-decker buses that they have over
2: there in London. What are the wobble- oh, what are the wonky buses? The ones that wobble around quite a bit. Yeah, one. it's missing three wheels. More than light. Do you know what? More than likely.
1: <laughs> Sandra Bullock's driving it without a blindfold. Jeez. But, uh, That's funny. I like well, that. I, I tied in speed and bird box here. How do you
2: like that? That is, mate, you're on fire tonight. Oh, thank you.
1: Oscar gets a line at one point in where where regards to Moe, says, Pick him up, pick them up, and then he'll skin them. Is Moe like a taxidermist or something? He's been playing Is a lot like... of Red Dead Redemption, too. <laughs> Is he like Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs? <laughs> Buffalo Bill? Hey, John! <laughs> Was Mabel a great big fat person? Furthermore,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I want these videos to go on forever. But unfortunately, they're debuting next week, so I was like, ah. <laughs> the best part of the video was the was the still shot of the M O M on the screen, and the slivers of all three men come sliding in from from the top and bottom, and Oscar has this look on his face like a frog that has like a flashlight in his eyes. It's like, it was like it was like the worst still shot you could have come up with.
2: They all look Listen, a bit that? frightened.
1: Yes, <laughs> it's like, are we doing it right? Are we doing it right? <laughs> if it's uh, not the most impressive video I've ever seen. But either way, we get
2: men on a mission next week.
1: I think I've seen Peter Gabriel videos that have made more sense than this, and were more effective.
2: Very true. <laughs> so we we come to our alleged
1: main event: Adam Bomb versus Scott Amati. <laughs> the, best, was... the best part of this match was when they showed the stock footage of the Mushroom Club video before Bomb's entrance. And Vince calls it very
2: impressive footage. But then he says, it's like, I hope we never see anything like that again. Yeah, good weird sort of anti-war because, stance by Vince McMahon, very briefly. Well, not that, because first he calls it impressive footage, which, which is implying
1: that, like, hey, that's pretty cool how that bomb blast destroyed so many lives. But I mean, I don't know. I hope we never see nuclear warfare in our lifetime and, and, and destroy uh, destroy the lives of so many people again. Because that would be very, very bad. Because people who are dead can't buy your pay-per-views. And he's right. I mean, dead people can vote, but they can't buy pay-per-views. <laughs> and Johnny Polo is here. He has he, he has lots of plaid on, and he's carrying a badminton racket, oh, which I Johnny wonder. Johnny like...
2: Polo looked great. Sailor Raven is my favorite <laughs> manager. <laughs> I think
1: Sailor Raven.
2: Sailor Raven, which is basically what he is—Raven dressed as a sailor.
1: <laughs> He's Mister Hal from Gilligan's Island.
2: Nice, but like more hipsterish.
1: I guess Stevie would have been Mrs. Hal, but and Raven has with him a badminton racket, which I wonder if that was kind of a shot at Jim Cornette.
2: I wonder oh. if it was actually, yeah, because it was. Tennis
1: racket bad. He was racket. doing
2: that shtick elsewhere, wasn't he? In in NWA and WCW.
1: Although we see Cornette version. So keep it. this keep was keep what, your eyes a way of that ins-
2: one. way of enticing him in. No, I think
1: Cornette was uh, gonna be coming in anyway. <laughs> so stop I got nothing about the as you ever did see. <laughs> Bomb looks Bomb looks even more horrifying with his yellowish-green eyes, and he has the red goop coming out of his mouth.
2: Yeah, Adam Bomb looks amazing. I love Adam Bomb. And I've got to say it, in this era, he is something else.
1: Savage so gives us an update on Crush, who is Adam Bomb's future tag team partner, for those of you who appreciate a little bit of uh, Xerox of Fate here. Tells us the Crush is breathing a little bit better.
0: I'm I still don't admit, know I'll what that means.
1: Lives. <laughs> crushes up riding a unicycle I have no idea what that means bomb throws a body across the ring by his neck because Adam bomb is fiercely strong <laughs> savage is still grieving at this point and Vince plugs mania savage and his partner Todd pettengill <laughs> savage all like they're reading them last rites <laughs> savage going to be on Saturday morning <laughs> wait a soldier fourth Vince <laughs> Actually, the other highlight of this match was Adam Baum applying the Killer Kowalski Stomach Claw on Scott Amati. A move that he hadn't seen before in this era or
2: since. Everything else that he does feels like new moves. And then he pulls out that.
1: Well, it's it's an effective move Killer Kowalski is a Hall of Famer. Paying tribute to a legend. Baum gets the diving clothesline. And then the great over-the-shoulder power bomb, the Adam Smasher for the win. This was nice, just a simple squash.
2: I like the way they're building Adam Bomb. He's just coming out every week or so, battering people, big impressive moves. I feel like they're trying to—they're building him to be a thing. Like you could almost see him as a heel challenger for a big belt at this point down the road. Oh, he's, a,
1: he's a big impressive guy. He's got a great move set. He looks frightening. He's, uh, plus the music also is just, it's just horrifying. One of the best songs they have ever come up with. Maybe this, I'll dare say the second scariest song in WWE history behind Demolition's heel theme. that sounded like it was, it was the Unsolved Mysteries theme, but even scarier.
2: Oh, good shout.
1: Yeah. But yeah, Adam, Adam Bomb had everything going for him and for some reason it just didn't pan out the way it should have.
2: But- well, I'm hoping that we might get a little idea as to why as the weeks unfold. On the Raw Review,
1: maybe radiation poisoning from working at the power plant.
2: Very but possibly.
1: Alongside Mike Sosha,
2: <laughs> Adam Bomb might
1: not make it through the night. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. <laughs> and then, as we get through this rather blase episode of Raw, just this sort of middling Raw, Vince announces that on next week's show,
2: we have a special Kings Court with Jerry Lawler, and his guest is going to be. Tiny Tim. Now, you're going to have to shed some light on who Tiny Tim Tiny Tim is.
1: Well, the first thing I wrote in my notes was, oh, no.
2: <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I'm intrigued.
1: Okay, so I remember this. I, I, I've tried to forget it. Tiny Tim was a novelty act. He was a really odd-looking man. The Picture, if you would... Who's the guy I, – I, I, picture Russell Brand if he was, like, really, like, shy and antisocial and had no facial hair and, a, and a, with a very high voice. He kind of talked like this in a way, like a high falsetto voice.
0: Okay. He had some novelty
1: songs – he played the ukulele, and he had some novelty songs in the 60s called Tiptoe Through the Tulips and Living in the Sunlight loving, and Loving in the Moonlight but his high voice is why he was known he he was he was most well known for getting married on the Tonight show back in the back, back in like the late 60s early 70s it was, it was like a publicity stunt that went right I guess but he was such an oddball character but he hadn't been relevant in years by this point this was their big celebrity get and he's gonna be
2: on the king's court <laughs> he' been relevant in like 20 years so there's there's no reason. In, like, there was no reason that month, that year, why Tiny Tim was a thing. It was just, he was once a celebrity.
1: Exactly. And it's, uh, he got big ratings for that wedding on the Tonight Show. People tuned in just to see if anything odd would happen. And it got a big rating. But that was 1970-whatever. Hang on, what year was
2: that? Just for reference, I'm going to pull this up here. It was, I can tell you, because I've Googled it just now. 17th of December, 1969.
1: And he divorced that woman in 1977. So he's been divorced for 16 years by this point.
2: I mean, I would say that this is very much in the realms of a Vince McMahon booking. Like Vince McMahon, who in, in the 21st century called the pay-per-view Great Balls of Fire. Yes,
1: yeah, so all the Great Balls of Fire was actually a, a legitimately good song compared to, well, no, I don't want to mock the artistry of Tiny Tim, but he was, he was seen as a, just a novelty act. He was—he was just kind of an oddball. He—he he, he wasn't like he was like Sinatra or Elvis or anything like that. He wasn't like a megastar. He—he was just strange. This would be like, what's the best way of? A, what's the best equivalent possible. I'm trying to think here. This would be like if, uh, if the Geico Gecko, were on roll twenty five years from now.
2: Right. And were
1: it would be like that.
2: Okay, I, I'm I'm kind of with you now in terms of the where this sits historically. Well, I'm excited <laughs> to meet Tiny Tim. I shall listen to oh. tiptoe through the tulips. Famous last
1: words. Okay. <laughs> okay, okay, you listen to it and you message me later and you tell me what you think, please. I
2: will. I promise.
1: So, also next week's show, we have the one, two, three kid. We have the debut of Men on a Mission. Sadly, no more videos. Uh, We have this unfortunate episode of King's Court, and we have Sean versus Marty. So really, next week's show is going to run the gamut.
2: It's a pretty stacked show.
1: It is pretty well loaded up, although some stuff is going to be better than other stuff, clearly.
2: Well, we will see when we get there, but that will do it for Monday Night Raw this week. A show that really did peak like in the first half an hour, where we had a title match between Yokozuna and Crush and everything else just kind of existed around it.
1: It it peaked during the WWE Network TV PG V for Violence thing that came across my screen for five seconds. <laughs> you weren't a fan of this one then? No, this wasn't the best show. The, the, the first match was fine and established Yokozuna. Everything after that was just a very deep slope.
2: Well, hopefully next week we'll have a little bit more meat, but we will see when we get there. I'm excited to see Men on a Mission. I'm excited to see Tiny Tim.
1: There's something wrong with you.
2: And there's Jeanette and Shawn Michaels, which which, if it's match of the year, then then bring it on. Bring on the Kenny Omega in 1993. That's what I say. So if you like what we do, um, he, Justin Henry, is at JRH writing. I am at Tom Campbell. We are together at Cultaholic. All on Twitter, but I don't know what that means. Thanks for listening. Love you. Bye.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh
1: Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince.
0: Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
2: For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from.